Hello and welcome to the Hardball Gets AFL Draft Special Series. Completely packed for work and the weekend, this podcast is brought to you by the all-new Mazda BT50 SP, the complete package. Let's get stuck in. Hello and welcome to the Hardball Gets Draft Special Series, our fourth and final podcast before the draft and We've got a very special guest today, back for a second season, Tom Seckle from Hemisphere Management Group, managing some of WA's top talent and obviously involved in uh, potentially pick one and two with your, your management group as well. So, Tom, thank you very much for, for joining us amid um, yeah, probably a bit pretty crazy time in your life on and uh, off the, the footy spectrum. Uh, thanks, Shorty. It's always a pleasure to come in. Um, always a keen listener, and there's been some good good guests on so far. So, yeah, more than happy to jump on. And you're right, it has been a bit crazy lately. We had the birth of our second child, um, Poppy, which was very exciting. And so had a couple of weeks off there, which was nice to spend with family and, and now getting back into it and um, battling the sleep a little bit. But I'd be lying if I didn't say um, my beautiful partner, Crace, is doing the lion's share of the work. <laughs> And how, what does she think about your uh, your moustache so far, mate? Obviously, for for a good cause, Movember, the Hemisphere guys always always get around it. It's uh, it's not the highlight for Grace. It's um, it's a little bit it's a little bit seedy, I think. Um, <laughs> but it's a great cause. We do it every year. We've got a great partnership with Movember. Um, for us, you know, there's a lot of mental health and and men's health. Um, topics that are really important especially in elite junior sports people as well um, you've got social media pressures performance anxiety there's so much that goes into it and to shine a light on it a little bit um, raise some money and some more importantly some awareness for it it's a fantastic cause and our players and our draft boys get around it they start growing it as well and the earlier they can sort of recognize and realize um, how important that mental health space is, the better they can be on and off the field and um, if, you know, tackle what they need to going into the AFL. That's fantastic, mate. Just a, a quick one, who's got the best one so far? Any uh, Anyone got a bit of a head start on any others? Uh, they've all got about 17-year head start. <laughs> they all struggle a little bit. Um, I don't say, I, don't, I wouldn't have thought there's a genuine out-and-out leader. They're all pretty blonde and they're all pretty fluffy and everything. So I think um, if I had to pick one from the Hemisphere team, Dave Trotter, one of our agents um, and directors, he's... He's always pretty strong. He mixes a handlebar with a, you know, um, a goatee and different things. He he could grow one in about a day. So he's probably the leader. <laughs> Mate, it's um, obviously a, a hectic time for yourself a few days out from the draft and just looking at some of the names that, that yourself and, and the rest of Hemisphere Management Group have got, um, it's looking like a, a pretty amazing draft. One and two potentially, or almost certainly, Will Ashcroft and, and Aaron Cadman. Um, one of one of your own, Ed Allen, is is being talked about a lot at the moment as a potential top ten pick and that real bolter out of out of WA. Um, yeah, talk us talk us through some of your um, I guess bigger names heading into the draft on Monday. Yeah, it, it is a really exciting time of year, and we've been really fortunate um, in the past in the last couple of years to to sort of take in some really high end talent to the draft and. And manage them and um, it started sort of last year when we had sort of four in the top 10 with Callahan, Ward, you know, Mac Andrew and Josh Gibkiss who's, you know, used to be a WA boy, Josh. And and this year, um, again, with sort of Will Ashcroft and Aaron Cabman up the top end, they're really exciting talent and um, 
I guess the, the I heard Jonesy on your last po- podcast talk about um, Ruben Jimby and how much he's changed in the year and the growth spurt he's had and I guess Aaron Cabman who's you know an, a really strong chance to be that number one pick he's he's done a very similar type of transformation he's grown over six centimeters going into his top age year. He previously hadn't really played forward and he switched from a wing up to a full forward and, and he's transformed himself based on a you know, a growth growth spurt and, and development and um, I think that's the biggest thing with you know the draft and um, the talent coming through is so much can change from you know their bottom age year to the top age year um, that it is a bit of an unknown and the year's constantly changing and it's a it's a crystal ball that's impossible to to sort of um, realize what it is but uh, yeah it's exciting so they're two of the ones up the top end that you know uh, are great people great characters and you know any club whether it's Giants or Brisbane or North Melbourne if um, if that's the case are really going to be lucky look I'm I'm lucky enough to do two phantom drafts so if I stuff up my first one I can I can sort it out across the next few days would you have Will Ashcroft at at one or Aaron Cadman, where do you think that bid's going to come for Will Ashcroft? Are they uh, are they going to make him pay, uh, make the Lions pay as uh, I guess as high a price as possible? Uh, it's an interesting question. It's a million dollar question, especially for the boys involved. But um, I don't I don't actually know whether they'll they'll bid um, bid on him yet. Um, I think regardless of it, uh, there's a lot that goes into the decision as well. Um, there's a commercial value for the clubs as well. Obviously, GWS is in, you know a market that the AFL is trying to expand in as well, and the the actual um, revenue generated from having a number one pick compared to you know potentially a number two pick as well, and and what you can generate off the field from that is really important. But also, you've got to weigh up the kids and their characters and and the pressures associated with that. Um, we've seen in the past someone. Um, like Jamara, who's you know was really heavily criticised, you know, unfairly for for being a number one pick and taking time to develop. And um, Tillthorpe from WA was sort of barely got a word spoken about him when he was developing at number two. So, um, and you look at you know the pressures associated with that number one pick. So you've got to the clubs will weigh up the characters. I think both players will be able to handle the number one title um, really well, and they'll. Um, They'll really adapt to it and um, flourish under it. So I think it's a, a bit of a win-win for us. And you've had a lot of first-rounders in, in recent years. Mitch Georgiatis, Denver Granger-Barras, Jacob Van Royen, um, just across the last few years um, alone. Uh, looks like you'll have another one in, in Ad Allen. What, what makes him so special? And um, talk us through, um, I guess, your involvement in his year because it's been a remarkable rise, hasn't it? He he missed that first half of the year with that, that lower back issue and um, you know, played that last game of the, the champs and then just really, that, you know, that back five or six games, I think he was averaging, you know, 25, 26 yeah. disposals a game, had an unbelievable national combine. Um, that 20 metre sprint especially um, what's the, the interest been like from you is it, um, has it been really I guess top heavy uh, yeah it has it's, um, it's certainly come really late especially after the combine um, I think just going back to what you first said about you know we've had a lot of success early on in the drafts um, and what that comes down to I think you'll find as you get to towards the end of the year the kids you know the, and Jones you've spoken about you know, and I heard Duke speak to it about the characters involved with some of the players as well. Like, you generally find those kids that get picked at the top end of the draft, they're they're outstanding off the field just as much as they are on the field. And um, 
that's something that's really important. It's not just the footy that goes into it, and um, and those guys that you know we manage have, have got exemplary characters that were picked in those first rounds, and and Ed's no different. Um, he's been spoken about as bulletproof in terms of character and. Um, you, you know, his ability to move into state, which is a whole nother topic when it comes to Western Australian and players and, and same for Frio and West Coast drafting Victorian players. So he's ticked all those boxes. Um, and that's, I guess, the other part of it is his footy and um, where that could potentially get to because it's a bit of an unknown because, as you said, he's had a really interrupted year with um, the back stress fractures and um, he managed to get a bit of, you know, bottom age footy in, but you throw in PSA footy which um, I don't think I'm speaking out of line when I say some clubs would probably rather them be in the Colts system as it's just a stronger competition um, and they get more eyes on them it's harder to get eyes on them in the PSA um, it's not saying they're not going to get a, you know as good a development it just means for a, a club recruiter they can it's easier for them to sort of evaluate what they've done in a bottom age year so for someone like Ed who has been injured the first half of the year recruiters are going back over his bottom age year trying to get what they can um, and it's a lot harder um, that way so for Ed, it was a really challenging time. Um, he's really dedicated, and I think the biggest thing through working with Ed and um, the state program and everyone involved there was to just patience um, and less is more, and you just trust the process that if you, you have to get it right um, because this is obviously his window and his draft year, and, and if he tries to rush it and come back and breaks down again, then he wouldn't be in the position he is. So... Full credit to him. He he bided his time. He he was. Um, it got to a point there where, speaking with Nick Caputi, who's at the state program, um, they were looking at Ed's uh, rehabilitation and gone. There's no more rest will do him any good. You ha- at some stage you have to test it out and you have to, you know, get back out there and do that and ramp it up. And and that was probably the most nervous time because he was then didn't know how it was going to react. And he's had all the rest and he's done all the right things and. He started to ramp it up and then he got uh, COVID just before and, and oh, missed no. a game and got to the state champs and he was trying to get back for the last two games, but he missed a game because he was sick. So then he had his first game back for Claremont Colts was half a game where they just eased him in and then he was thrown straight into the last state game. So and I think there was a bye in there as well yeah, for, for Waffle Colts. So yeah, he didn't have a, a great deal of luck around that, that sort yeah, of three or four weeks. Yeah. So, and, then he, and then he came back and he performed well at the level like he didn't shoot the lights out by all means but he was able to show a little bit about what he could do um, his footy IQ and um, you know his running patterns were really important to clubs as well and and as he went throughout the second half of the years he, he got a bit of consistency up which was really important for someone who's missed a lot of footy um, and then he went to the combine and and blew them away there that was quite a special time um, chatting to a couple of clubs who were there I were really interested to see how he was going to test and um, it got to the 20 and his first run was at 2.85 and they kind of just all looked at each other and said, is the clock broken or <laughs> is, was that a bit of a fluke or anything? And then his second run was at 2.83 and they're like, geez, he's, um, he's backed it up there and his third one was at 2.81. So he got quicker every run. And out. Some of them were like, well, we want him to go again and see if he can get under 2.8. But... <laughs> Uh, which was an amazing achievement. Um, he's always had those athletic attributes, so he's always competed in your your short distance events, your 100, 200, 400. So he's always been really gifted and, and done athletics. Um, I guess the hardest thing to notice with Ed in his footy is you 
watching him play because he he does play a bit on the outside and he does cover a lot of ground that it's it's hard to see that high-end speed Um, and that's probably something that he'll have to work on in the AFL is maintaining high-end speed for longest periods of time throughout games so but for him to show that that he's got that top-end speed really propelled him into that sort of first round calculations and then it was just a matter of how clubs can predict what his footy's going to be and um and go from there. What do you see? His range, obviously, he's been linked to, to West Coast quite a lot. Geelong was another one that's um, that's been linked with him. I think they've got pick seven. Obviously, West Coast, eight and 12 at the moment. Where where do you see his, his range at, at this stage? It feels like he's not going to get past West Coast's second pick at the moment, but obviously... Things can still change between now and Monday. Yeah, they they can always change. There's there's talk of a lot of moves around that sort of early teens, um, around their picks. Um, realistically, I think Ed's got a really strong chance of landing in the first round. Um, naturally, there's there's always a chance that they slip through. Um, you know, you hear a lot of different things about players that clubs are in, but. I think most importantly, um, you know, if you, you you go in hoping for the sorry, preparing for the worst, but hoping for the best, you know, he could be there on on night two. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he'll be gone on the first night. But you prepare for that as well. But yeah, there's um, there's a lot of talk about a few picks being moved because those those picks from you know ten onwards, um, they're really evenly spread in terms of the talent. There's a there's a probably a high end group of players at the front end of that draft that have set themselves apart and then it kind of depends every list has got different opinions on it and um, if there's players that clubs rate still there or or they're gone that you might see a few moves uh, a few picks moved and everything but I think uh, yeah he's a really strong chance to get read out in the first round which is exciting and you mentioned growth spurts he's he's had a pretty decent one himself not mm. only um, not only height but like a bit of bit of size as well like looking at yep. his bottom age year Compared to his top age, he's he looks a lot sort of stronger. He's, he had quite sort of skinny arms and stuff like that yeah. last year, but he's um, he's put on a bit of size and looks like he's probably grown a few centimeters as well. Yeah, he has. He's he's really shot up. Um, so he's he's about my height now, or just under one ninety four, I think he is. So he's got the um, old boy covered, Ben, pretty, yeah, pretty comfortably. He's, he's got Ben covered pretty quickly, and. Um, He's uh, yeah. He's also put size on, which has really helped him. But I think the most important thing when when boys are going through the junior system and they're talking about getting stronger, and I think it's automatically they think, well, I've just got to add size, add size. But you've got to be really mindful on on speed and your endurance and the athletic component because that's a real weapon and it's part of the modern game. You've seen what Geelong and these sides have done, and there's talk of you know potentially West Coast adding speed. So. Um, it's his ability to add some size and some strength, but maintain that those athletic attributes has has worked really well from him. Now, some Victorian names linked with with West Coast picks, also part of Hemisphere's stable. There's Hollands, uh, Braden George, a um, couple of names there. Even Alan David Junior. I saw in one Phantom draft had a, had a bid from from West Coast. What? Um, what can we expect out of out of those three guys, and could could we see West Coast sweep on one? Uh, yeah, so they're they're really really high in talent. Those guys. So um, Ollie Hollands obviously is the brother of Elijah, who was drafted you know, as a top ten pick to the Gold Coast um, a few years ago. Uh, Dave Trotter from our office here, he looks after Ollie, and he's a running machine. So he's done a you know a sub six. 2K. Um, I think he was just over that at the combine, but he's played wing through the midfield. 
Um, he's, a, he's a really safe safe player. There's not too much that will go wrong with him. Um, so it sounds like exactly what West Coast need with that that outside run. I think he's been um, likened to a, an Ed Langdon sort of type as well. Yeah, yeah, and he's super professional as well. He comes from a really professional family. Obviously, he's seen Elijah go through the system, and, and the old man Ben's played uh, at the AFL level as well, and um, everything. So I, he'd be a great pickup for someone. He's his range is sitting where West Coast picks are, which is um, which is right in their wheelhouse if they're looking for that type of player. Um, Jacob Pistanti is sort of another one who's um, part of those those sort of bracket of small small players that are in that first round. So um, for us, we've we've got a number of those smalls in Constanti, Charlie Clark, Braden George, and Darcy Jones from WA who. Um, they're all different players, but um, they're all sort of categorised as smaller, nifty players with, with their own attributes. Um, and, yeah, they're, either one of those will be really exciting. I think the latter of those will probably be in contention for West Coast second pick, um, their third and fourth pick, sorry. I mean, their 20 and 26 is mm-hmm. what it currently stands. Um, I think it would be a bit of a stretch if they were to be read out with... Um, say pick 12 or 13 which it will be by west coast but um yeah they're really smart players um Braden george is probably the the interesting one he's the unknown because he's uh had an acl inj- injury this year he had his sorry he injured his other knee um, previously and he was slow to begin he has top 10 talent written all over him um so he's a powerful mid forward, um, and then he came back in his first game back, did his ACL on his other knee. So I think there was um, the most there was a, the most amount of recruiters at his first game back. Um, then you know they've seen a long time purely because he hadn't played, and um, he's such a high end talent that um, I don't think the knee will sort of deter too many clubs. But if you, if West Coast or any other club are getting a player like that, they've got a, a player that's got a huge amount of upside that. You know, we haven't seen too much from this year, which is exciting. Yeah, cause it looks like he's he's probably going to slip into the the teens potentially. But yeah, like you said, West Coast mm-hmm. have have twelve, which will slide down to thirteen with the Ashcroft bid. So it could be right in their their yeah. wheelhouse if they're they're willing to take a punt. Yep. Um, in terms of some of your other WA kids, you mentioned Darcy Jones. I heard you use the word small and nifty, and that probably um, probably sums him up pretty well. There's not a not a great deal of him, hundred and seventy five centimeters, but um, wow, some of um, some of his games this year, and just just his skills and evasiveness, and um, I was just yeah stunned by his ability to play inside midfield and and just rack up the footy. I, I assumed he'd just be a you know a half back winger sort mm-hmm. of type, maybe even half forward. But um, the way he's played some games inside midfield just yeah really really blew me away, and just seems like a an unbelievable kid as well. Yeah, he is. Um, <clears throat> he's one where when you talk about sort of speed and being nifty and you're surprised at his ability I remember watching him as a, a bottom major playing in those those um, future 17s games both for WA and, and at Swan Districts and you could just see he just went to all the right spots like his his IQ to get to the right spots but there was, obviously he's so slight as well and, and he's not that tall Das <laughs> um, so there was naturally the biggest thing was surely someone that height like there's only a couple of them in their AFL they've got it against them they've got you know everything against them when they're that size but he's continued to prove people wrong um 
through his hard work and work ethic and dedication to it and he's got stronger in his body and he's he's learnt through you know going up and playing making his league debut for Swan Districts he's learned how to play on bigger bodies you know how to use his bodies and how to counteract when you're not the strongest person and um, he's he's just a sponge Darcy he, he learns very quickly and he gets the best out of himself and we were able to see in you know the national champs this year that he can play at the level. He's got elite breakaway speed. You know, Jones, you described him really well in your last podcast, and he's a tremendous kid off the field as well. Comes from a great family, and um, yeah, they'll be really lucky to have him. So he's getting that interest. Um, you know, I realistically, I think he probably sits in the second round. Um, there's talk of some interest from the Giants in potentially in some other clubs late in the first round, but. Um, I think where he sits, you know, those West Coast picks, I'm sh- I think he's in their mix and those other clubs around that mark. I was about to say he's probably got those attributes that, that West Coast are, are looking for and they do have those two picks in the 20s, 20 and 26 mm. at the moment. Do you feel like that could be his, his wheelhouse at the, at the moment? Obviously, Freo don't start till um, pick 30 at this stage. Has there, has there been quite a bit of interest from both WA clubs? Yeah, there has. Um, and it, it gets to sort of... Um, that point in the draft where there's always you know you can't predict who's going to be there on the board and there's always we've seen it in the past with you know Matt Johnson and Dev Robertson there's always those guys that you know people predict are gone and they're not they're still on the board and And why are they always from WA as well it's it's the worst (laughs) covering those heartbreak stories so um but it just totally changes you know a club's plan because um I was I heard sort of Simon Dalrymple speak from the Sydney Swans there um, recruiter talk about sort of clubs drafting strategies and he summed it up really well I think for a lot of clubs when he said you you know you draft for talent and you trade for needs and when the talent's there that you don't think is there you don't you don't hesitate you you take the talent so for someone like you know those guys that we think are potentially in the in the second round or in the 20s you know it, they could be there in the 30s because talent's there and I guess the other thing with Darcy as well, he's a he's a small player and um, there's only a certain amount of those type of players you can have on your list as well. So there would come a point where he'll, you know, they'll have a lot of clubs that have interviewed him throughout the journey, but there might only be half a dozen clubs that really need that type of player. Um, but, you know, he's got the talent and he's put in, pushed himself up there. So, um, yeah, he's an exciting prospect. So that probably rules the Bulldogs out. They probably can't have two guys like... Caleb Daniel and uh, Darcy Jones running around with the helmet on. Too confusing. Uh, you never know. It could, be, could be the master and the apprentice. <laughs> um, one other kid I've, I've covered quite closely this year is, is Jed Adams. I was there for his, his league debut against South, which unfortunately was his last game of the year as well. Um, showed plenty before the, the shoulder injury, required surgery. Um, but yeah, r- ripping kid, um, bit of a, an extrovert, um, plays the, the tunes down at down at Rushton Park for training. Um, he's, he's a police cadet. Um, I'm not sure what else I've forgotten, but um, yeah, probably some of his footy attributes as well. You've um, summed him up very well there. He's an extrovert. He's very um, he's very unique, Ted. He's uh, he's a great person. Um, he's you know got a huge amount of upside as a footy player. He was he was late to sort of the programs and, and being exposed to the level and um, speaking with sort of Matty Rosa down at Peel, um, they really wanted to get him involved in, in league 
sooner rather than later they could see what what he had as well and yeah just hearing some of the conversations Jonesy was telling me about I think Jeff Valentine was on the mm. phone quite regularly saying is he playing for WA this week is he playing for WA so yeah um, it did sound like they were they were ready to to put him in as as early as they could which yep yeah, exactly, and and he and he started to put some really consistent games on the board. Um, he's got a lot of upside. He's a good size. Um, Jonesy described him really well. I think the biggest thing for for Jed would be um, just because he's so new to the environment and the level that he's got a lot of growth to do, especially in um, you know his professionalism and um, his ability to apply himself, and and that's come through. And he knows what he needs to work on. And I think it's great that he's doing his police cadetship off field, and and he's got something else going because um, he's trying to find the balance of you know footy and work and and being that lovable larrikin at the club as well. So um, yeah, he's a great kid, and um, you know there aren't too many key defenders in the draft. It's probably more of a, a midfielder's draft, as as you well know. So um, you know that puts him into that contention in the back half. Yeah, spot on, especially Frio pick 30 and then they got those back-to-back picks in the, in the 40s mm. as well. Do you feel like that's potentially his range? And obviously da- David Walls dropped a nice little hint earlier in the week saying that they were looking for, for key backs as well. Um, he's, he's spoken with them already this year. He's obviously right under their, their noses with the with the alignment. Do you see that, that being a potentially good fit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I if I had to sort of go with my gut, I'd say probably more unlikely for the the thirty for Freo. I just think there's always going to be talent you don't expect that are there. Um, so, I think he's probably more the the second half of the draft, Jed. Um, but in those Freo picks in the thirties, and there's a lot of clubs that need those key defenders, and there's not many in the draft. So, um, if if the needs there late in the draft, and and when you get to later in the draft towards the back end and the rookie side you can have a bit more leniency to sort of draft for for needs rather than talent because the pool's so so similar and you can fix a fix a few holes and it's not too much of a risk when you've got those late picks so um, I think that's where he will sit. And it sounds like Port have shown a little bit of interest as well they do seem to love a West Aussie obviously one of your other boys in Mitch Georgiatis, um, Tash Schofield as well um, who's obviously recently been delisted, but they they tend to go for a few West Aussies, so it might be another another potential contender for him. Yeah, they uh, I think they've been pretty vocal on a few things that they need. We'll, we'll look at a key defender. Um, I think they're taking in two picks. They've got you know one around thirty and then one around or thirty three and one in the sixties off the top of my head. Um, but it, I guess for them it just depends on um, you know what's available at that pick and and so on. And in terms of the next generation academy stuff, you've got one foot in in both camps. Tyrell Dewar looks um, almost certain to become a a West Coast player if, if there isn't a, a bit in the forty protected zone, obviously. And and Josh Draper um, obviously finished the season well after yeah such a frustrating run with that that ankle injury. And what was that? What was the way you described him? The um, just the. Oh, it was a horse racing term. I can't remember now, but um, his oh, athletic pick, traits. Are pick just, of the yard. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. He's yeah. He drapes is um, he's uh, yeah. He's a specimen. He's got huge athletic capabilities. Um, obviously, he comes from a basketball background, so he's you know he's got a lot of learning and a lot of development to do from a football aspect. Sometimes you know you can watch him play and. When you, you look at basketballers, sometimes when he was Drapes was first starting out with footy, he was jumping off two feet and wasn't running and, you know, launching off one and those attributes that basketballers have. But he's got he's got that great spatial awareness that comes with learning and playing another sport as well. He played in the 
They won gold for WA in the national champs, um, you know, with a with another couple of other sort of... Alex Condon was another one who was in that team, I believe. And, um, and then he's gone and focused on footy and changed his mindset. So he's got a lot of development and a lot of learning to do, but huge amount of upside. Um, and unfortunately, he got that ankle injury, which really derailed his year. He was pretty disappointed, but to his credit... There was, a, there was a slim chance he could come back and potentially play finals and he did all his rehab and all his due diligence and he was able to come back and, and string some games together at the back end of the year, which, which was a huge reward for him. And win a flag as well. Yes. So, um, both, both Adams and, and Draper played a bit in those intra-squad squad games as well and it sounded like they, they really caught the eye of Freo there and, and impressed. So, um, yeah, certainly some, some hopes there. Has, has Josh been giving, given any indication by the club that, you know, if he doesn't get picked up in the 40, which is looking unlikely at the moment, um, that, that they'll pick him up? Uh, yeah, so I think I heard, you know, Dukes talk about Conrad as well. Like, I think Freo, I've got a lot of balls in the air, really. Um, and, you know, I personally with, with Drapes and um, Tyrell at West Coast as well, I think probably that there's a slim chance a big, big comes for them um, after 40, um, but I think there's probably more chance of them going through to the rookie list, which is great for great for Freo and West Coast to be able to put them on the Category B list and have more flexibility for the national draft as well. So I think that's what they're hoping will happen. And, and then they've got some decisions to make as well um, about which way they go. So I think it's looking positive, but you, you never want to sort of jump ahead and think it's done. Well, that ankle injury probably helped the Dockers a bit because if Draper was to put in a, a massive season, that would have uh, as long as it wasn't too ba- as long as it wasn't too bad and <laughs> <laughs> put him out for too long. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> Might have been another Jesse Motlop situation where the the bid came yes. too early, unfortunately. So another another one of your boys. Yes, he's going well as well. Jesse's he's in the top running group now. First week back for Carlton, so. I described him as the worst house in the best street. He's in the top running group, but he's at the back. <laughs> so he's, get, he's getting fitter and, um, yeah, he's, he's up for a big preseason and I reckon he'll have a fantastic year at the feet of Charlie and Harry there next year. Anyone else looking like a, a breakout year? Obviously, Jacob Van Royen recently signed a, a two-year extension and was, was really close to playing some, some AFL finals footy. It would have been a, a remarkable debut mm. playing playing in finals how's how's he tracking for for next year do you feel like he's um really really close to an afl debut early days yeah absolutely uh he was obviously a high investment for melbourne being their first pick of the draft and being a first round selection so they're always going to take their time with him um they were coming off a premiership as well melbourne so you know they're a really successful team he wasn't going to walk in um, or anything like that and to his credit he's had a a fantastic year, full year of VFL. He's won a VFL flag. His that will hold him in such great stead. Like he was so close to a debut um, late in the year, um, but I think it got to a stage where Melbourne didn't want to upset their forward mix leading into a final series. So, you know, there was a time there around 15, 16 where he, I think he kicked five or six, and then they had a bye the following week, and and uh, the VFL had a buy or Melbourne had a buy and it kind of just the way it worked out that they'll we'll give him another one and then he was a little bit quiet and then it got to the stage where it's like well we don't want to change the mix leading into finals which is understandable so um, yeah I think he's in for a huge preseason. Um, the biggest thing for him I guess last year was just running out games um, just learning to at that level that um, you know he 
he needs to get his, his body right and, and, and get on top of him being able to get fitter and run out those games to have as much impact as possible because once you get to that next level, you get exposed really quickly. So, um, yeah, he's we're really excited to see what Rui can do next year. I know Melbourne and their fans are really excited about what he can do and um, he had some huge performances for Casey, so it'll be great to see him debut next year and, um, yeah, hopefully uh, slot in in that forward line. And Mitch Georgiatis, he's, he's a really intriguing case, isn't he? I mean, he um, he got sort of dropped a couple of times throughout the year. There was obviously that, that speculation. Um, you, you got on the front foot, so well, well played, and you said, no, nah, there's no chance he's leaving. And sure enough, he, he's not leaving. So um, it, it didn't stop all the, the questions oh, and articles, no. though, that's for no, sure. No, it really didn't. Um, and then, you know, he obviously enjoyed a, an off-season in, in America with Travis Boak, um, training, yep. training at... You know, NFL clubs and that, and that sort of thing. How's how's he tracking? I guess what's what's the time frame with his contract? He's obviously out of contract next year. I'm sure uh, <laughs> Rowan O'Brien and that. David Balls. Um, <laughs> yeah. That that oh, it's, it's just a and, you know an exciting WA talent. So it's um, yeah. it's it's a no brainer that those two clubs will be keeping a close eye on it. But how? Yep. I guess what sort of time frame? Um, will will Mitch sort of decide, yep. and uh, and and what factors go into play there? Yeah, so going back to last year, he d- he did was found himself out of the team a couple of times, and I think the where the media really sort of honed in on him was when um, he found himself out of the side, and Todd Marshall wasn't in the side at, at the same time. So they obviously it was generally when they were back end of the year you've got Dicko and you've got others you've got a resting ruck and then you had sort of Todd and Mitch and you'd think they were playing both of them and then you know if one of them's out the other one will play and there came that point where they wanted to put him back and give him some confidence um and for for Mitch he's um for him it was really about just having impact on the scoreboard so they were really happy with the amount of you know, shots on goal he was getting and, the you know, the amount of times he was getting the ball in his hand, but it was just taking his opportunities. And they believe it came down to a, a confidence thing with him last year and they, they put him back and he got some confidence, put some good develops and he worked his way back into the side. So um, there haven't been too many players in the AFL that have gone through their careers and, and not pull, pulled the jumper on for the Magoos. So um, he worked through that really well. And um, I guess, you know, the, the interest in Mitch is, is always going to be there when you've got a young sort of developing player that's um, that's such a high-end talent that, that he is. He had a lot of interest in the draft after missing a whole year and still got picked in the first round. So he showed his talent and um, and I think it, it doesn't, the interest for him isn't just coming from sort of WA as well. It, that won't stop sort of Victorian clubs or anything like that. Um, but he's really happy at Port, as we said and, and spoke about. He's he loves it there. Um, he's got some great friendships. He's you know he's recently just got back from the US with um, Butters and Boke and um, and a few others, and they did some training over there. Um, he's getting his body right, so he's in for a really big year. Um, <clears throat> to answer your question about the contract, I wasn't dodging it or ignoring no, it. No, it's okay. <laughs> Um, for him, he like I guess the for last year being out of the side, he wants to be in the mainstay twenty two in that team. So for him, I think it is just really focusing on getting the best out of himself. He's had a shoulder niggle and his rotator cuff, and he's doing a lot of things like that that he's actually working on and getting body right. And he wants to play, you know, twenty two games and finals for Port Adelaide and and be a mainstay in that team. So for him, his focus is just doing that. Um, the contract will take care of itself throughout the year. Um, but he loves it there and he just wants to work his way in and, and not be dropped again.
And one player who whose AFL career came to a, I guess, an abrupt halt um, as, as nominated for the draft this week, one of your boys in Elijah Taylor. Um, can you just give us a, a little bit of an update on on how he's going, um, I guess, both physically and, and mentally and um, what, what the journey forward looks like for him? He obviously played a little bit for East Perth um, this year, yep. um, in, and, in and out of the ones. Um, <coughs> How's, how's he tracking at the moment and, and what's the process from, from here on in? Yeah, Elijah's in a really good headspace. So um, obviously, you know, everyone knows Elijah's story. We don't need to sort of go over his journey. But um, so this year he um, he's still finding finding his feet in terms of his, you know, commitment and passion to the game as well. Like he loves the game and he's he's trying to balance work and life and, and do all those, those little things that come with football, especially at state league level and, and waffle it's you know it's quite easy to think that they just they just go ahead and play play waffle and that's all they do but they've got they've got jobs all these players they the commitment they do is up there almost at AFL level yet they've got families and and jobs and all these other things so um, it is a really big step up and and he's still learning about that and he's he's getting to a point now that the, the fire's still there for him the fire's still in the belly it's just he needs to manage his body he needs to get fit again um, and go through all that but to East Perth's credit they've been absolutely fantastic they've been really patient with him um, you know sometimes it'd be really easy to just pull the pull the pull the shoot and and just say it's 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 too hard but he does you know have an enormous amount of talent like looking back at his sort of draft year you know he was arguably could have been the most talented player in the in the draft it was just making sure he could get everything else that's involved with footy off the field in order um and he's constantly working on that um and he wanted to nominate for the draft this year and and it was not knowing that he wasn't going to get picked up it was more so you know, if he has a good preseason, can he put his name up for a mid-year or something like that? And and that was under um, his instruction. He wanted to do that, and um, and it's I think it's great to see because it means he's hopefully you know going to turn his life around. And you obviously have one eye on the, the next year's crop. Obviously, you've got to get through this draft first. But a um, couple of names to um, to chat about another Van Royen that um, that you, you've you've picked <coughs> up, Sam. I think he's yes. a little bit shorter than than Jacob, but. Um, probably a bit skinnier as well, but yes. has, has played a, a little bit of nice footy. Yeah, he he has. He's um, he's a totally different player, Sam, to Jacob. So um, they've had different pathways and everything. And and Sam is probably when you look at um, athletically, he he's probably ahead of Jacob, where Jacob was at as a bottom major and everything. So he's. Um, He's a bit more leaner. Um, he's a bit more agile. Um, I'm probably selling Rui a bit short here, but um, he's, hopefully he's not listening on. But on the on the same on the flip side, um, Jacob's football was probably more developed than Sam's and what it is this stage. So, um, Geordie Smith and the team at Claremont have done a fantastic job with Sam. Um, I think naturally it's really hard to be someone's younger brother, especially someone who's had been a high draft pick and everything and um especially when journalists like me keep writing about him so yeah i apologize but, for that um claremont and and the t- and the team geordie and the team there have been fantastic because they're just taking really a really slow approach with him um there's you know they're trying not to put you know any pressures on him and i don't think there should be any pressure on him um but he's got some fantastic attributes um you know he's played some really good games and he went back and played some local footy last year to get back to actually you know playing for passion and the love of the game which I think has been fantastic for him and 
you know, he's um, he's really looking forward to a big pre-season and hopefully putting his best foot forward next year for Claremont and um, you never know what can happen. And Xavier Walsh, do you want to tell us a, a little bit about him? He's obviously been part of the, the state program and, and that before, so um, looks a, a decent size as well. Yeah, yeah, he's a really exciting player, Xavier. So he, he was part of the WA 16s as a, as a top ager, as a 17-year-old part of that carnival. Um and he's sort of been switched forward. He's been he's a key position player now, and he's really grown, and he, he's got a lot of presence um, about him as well. So he's got a huge amount of upside. Um, he's a terrific athlete um, as well. So it'd be really exciting to see what he can do. And similar to similar to Sam, there is um, you know he's one that will take a bit of time. They're both key position players um, that will you know be really excited to see what they can do next year. Um, from from some some other guys, I think from a WA point of view, next year is going to be really exciting as well. Um, I think they've got a really strong crop. I heard Jonesy speak about the academy boys. That that's really exciting. But I think there's a, a number of kids under that as well. That you know. I'm sure a lot of people probably have heard of but don't know too much about. Um, Reese Torrance one, isn't he? He yeah. had an, an amazing um, Waffle, waffle Colts He's grand final well. as a bottom major, um, so he was probably a bit stiff not to get yeah. in that academy. But, yeah, there's probably exactly. several others as I well. I also think Cohen Sanchez has gone, gone under the radar a, a little bit. Like, he was he was invited to that grand final futures game. He obviously couldn't make it over because he was a bit sore, so he didn't get to play in that. And he's Just he's, those groin issues this year, wasn't he's it? He's been the, out with injury, and he's a really exciting prospect, Cohen. I think he He's going to have a really big future, so it's exciting to see what's going to come out of WA. No, thanks thanks for your time again, and uh, let's hope a few of your, your boys get called out nice and early on, on Monday and, and Tuesday. No worries. Thanks, Jordy.